You're listening to the Startup Masterclass Podcast. Welcome to the Startup Masterclass Podcast, where I help you bring your ideas to life and teach you the skills and secrets of entrepreneurship. In each episode, my goal is to help you learn how to be successful with startups and small businesses. Hi, my name is Eric, and you are listening to episode number two. In the last episode, I challenged you to start a micro business on the weekend and to get to a paying customer. I mentioned that I was going to practice the exact same things I was telling you with my own kids. The saying goes, is to eat your own dog food. Will you practice what you preach? So I'm going to tell you all about that journey and the results just a little bit later. The main content in this episode is going to center around anybody who has a food product. I'm answering a question from a gal named Ella, and she writes, I have a recipe for a food product that helps people with certain dietary restrictions. And she's asking, how do I get my product started and how do I get it into grocery stores? Now, I'm going to address three challenges with this idea and give you also a couple suggestions on how to bring that product to life. So let's first talk about the food service industry and people who have maybe a product um, that is uh, maybe um, manufactured, it's a recipe, it's a bar, it's a a drink, it's something that that people consume, it's food. The term that you want to look for is a co-packer, somebody who is an industrial kitchen that makes products for other people. And how it works is you give them the recipe and they will then actually make the product for you and they'll package it. That's called a co-packer. So the very first thing I'd recommend to you is to actually find some different co-packers in your region. You want to go visit them, you want to go uh, tour their facilities, you want to learn about the products they have and learn all about the industry. I'm kind of a tech guy, I don't really know the ins and outs of how co-packing Uh, pricing and and things work. So you're going to have to get estimates. You're going to find out, are there minimums? Are there going to be contracts? You know, what are the the requirements for you to bring that product to life with a co-packer? That's going to save you a ton of headache and hassle from having to start your own kitchen and to manage your own production and all the health and safety requirements there. So you want to find a co-packer and you want to get estimates. Now with this though, is the stakes are pretty high. (laughs) The problem is like, this is going to be fairly expensive to make your product. Uh, I don't know what your financial position is, but this could be a pretty large upfront investment. So that is just something to think about, but most food products, they start with co-packers and that is how they make them in bulk. And so I would recommend that if you are really invested in this and you wanna go for it. So find a a food co-packer and use them. The second thing, let's talk about grocery stores. First, it's really hard to get into grocery stores. What many people don't realize is that brands pay to have shelf space. They pay to be on the corners, they pay to be at eye level, and it is really competitive to get into a grocery store. Now, with a specialty food item like this, because you said that it has to do with the dietary restrictions and a couple different allergies, Um, with a specialty food item like this, your challenge is going to be, how do I get noticed? And it's important to realize what the user behavior is at a grocery store. People don't typically browse grocery stores looking for things to buy. People wander, they might kind of glance, but they don't just show up there and they're not just like trying to find new products and services that they're going to buy. So uh, you're going to have a, a challenge. You're going to pay for probably shelf space. You might get a trial. You might get some tests in some regions, but it's going to live somewhere. 
And your challenge is going to be, how do you find people who have the same food allergies or dietary restrictions and have them notice your product? So that inherently is the challenge is you might get grocery store distribution, but at the end of the day, you still have to find people who are going to notice it and find it. It is said that there's on average 22,000 new products each year in the grocery store. And studies have shown that the average consumer notices less than five. So there's a lot of things that are happening in every grocery store. New products happen every single month and very few people notice it. So uh, I have a concern for your idea because it just is set up to be difficult for you to find customers because most people when they go to the grocery store, maybe you're like me, your wife is handing you a list, you're probably running between meetings or you have a short amount of time to spend and you're getting the staples, you're getting the apples, the bananas, the cereal, you're getting half and half and, and you're on your way. It's not the best way to sell a specialty food item. Next, the third challenge with this kind of question is about pricing as it relates to grocery stores in, in particular. Grocery stores need to make about 50% on the products. So you might have a product and let's say that you wanna sell it for $10. Well, the grocery store is gonna to wanna to buy it from you for five. And so you need to be able to make money from some to the grocery store. So you probably need to, if you wanna double your money, you need to make your product for $2. So you're gonna make it for two, you'll sell it to the grocery store for five, and the grocery store will sell it for 10. That is how these things kind of work. Um, the problem with that is that that gives you very tiny margins uh, to make money on. And if your product is too expensive to account for what the grocery stores need to make, then what happens? Well, the consumer thinks, well, hey, do I wanna pay $10 for this granola bar? You know, they're gonna think twice. So you really have to consider the pricing strategy here as it relates to wholesalers because they, as much as they will like your product, they are there to sell your product in order for them to make money. So they need to make money off of your product. And so those are the mechanics of it. And in addition to you having to probably pay for the shelf space, it's just really competitive. And it's just this grocery store product food category, it's just really challenging for different people. So my concern for you is just the upfront expense the competitive nature of getting into grocery stores, the customer adoption, and will you have the ability to make enough money at the end of the day? So those are my concerns, but not all is lost. Here's what I would do if I were you. When you're starting out, especially with like a food item like this, is I would go and find out what is the search volume for the dietary restrictions or the food allergies that you serve and find out how many people are searching for this. You can use Google Keyword Planner, which in my Startup Masterclass tutorials, I give a whole walkthrough of how this all works, but you want to find how many people are searching for food allergies and products and services to help them. And you wanna find the terms they're using. They might not be actually looking for a product, they might be describing a problem. And that is the power of paid searches. You actually can intervene your product into the search and the hunt from other people. So you wanna use the Google Keyword Planner to find terms that people are searching for and you want to then maybe run ads against those search phrases. And I have two kind of alternative maybe options for you to consider for your food product. One is to consider a subscription service. I think is, you know, most people think of like, I gotta get it into the grocery store. You might want to consider a direct to consumer model. You might wanna create a product that then goes to 
directly to the customers, maybe on a regular interval, maybe it's weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever it is. And the food subscription service has actually really grown over the years. You have companies like Blue Apron, HelloFresh, Freshly, and others uh, that have done this. Uh, there's a lot of them. You can just kind of Google some of them. But uh, food delivery and subscription services have become a thing in the past five to 10 years. Uh, so that could be your most strategic option. And the benefit of that too is that you will have all the profit margin. You won't be surrendering money to uh, the grocery store for their profit margin. You will have to pay shipping. So there is a cost there, but you will first be able to find your potential customers a lot easier using paid search and then selling direct to consumer. You have all that profit margin. So you can sell that same product for $10. Uh, the alternative also, I always like to think about what is the simplest version of any idea, uh, is to sell the recipes. If you don't want to actually get into making the product, if you don't want to you know, get in the business of the ingredients on site and packaging and refrigeration and all those different challenges, one first step you could do, and you could do this this weekend, is you could actually sell the recipes. Maybe you have a category niche that has these food allergies and these dietary restrictions, and for $9 a month, you get a new recipe every single week. And so you are selling the knowledge. Uh, that's probably what I would do in your situation. And you could sell it for $9 a month. Maybe it's, you know, and you pay it annually, and then you can cancel any time. But people are going to pay, you know, $120, and they're going to get a new recipe delivered to their inbox uh, once a week. Uh, the great thing about recipes is it's 100% profit margin. Now, I know what you're thinking out there. You're thinking, well, somebody could rip it off, possibly. Um, people with these, uh, you know, purchases with recipes and things, it's not that likely that they are going to go steal it, make a competitor, possibly. I mean, you always run that risk, but most people, they're not trying to rip other people off. Just in general, I have a maybe rosier view of humanity. Uh, but for you, you could try, does anybody want this product and service? And if I sell the recipe for it, would they, would they buy it? And that is a very specific customer, someone who's willing to make their own maybe food at home based on their dietary restrictions. So uh, that is what I would do. And then the very next step after you may, might do that recipe subscription service is you could then start doing tiny meal kits. You know, maybe you're not selling the finished product, but you're selling the packages of the different ingredients together. And then you move from a recipe subscription service to, uh, hey, we're gonna send you the kit and here's some of the mixed uh, ingredients and seasoning and, and you can find different kind of ways to productize that. Then you could go maybe to the full subscription service. And then if I were you, at the very last kind of stage is you could find, you know, man, where are my customers at? Is there like a big concentration around Los Angeles? Or is there a big concentration around Des Moines, Iowa? You know, and so you can look at where your customers are. And then you can go to, say, a Whole Foods. And you can go to them and you can say, hey, I actually have a high density of customers in your area. I would like to talk to you about getting my product into this local store as a test. And so then your communication to your customers is, hey, now our product is available at Whole Foods. Go check them out. And so I would leave that if I were you at the very last stage. So that is kind of my take on that question, that idea. You've hopefully learned a lot there from the product and, and the food industry there and how grocery stores work, but that is what I would recommend for you and I wish you the best of luck with that. All right, now if you remember from the last episode, I encouraged you to start your own micro business and I encourage you to do it on the weekend and to just start something, start anything and just get to a paying customer. And I give you kind of three tips. You know, One is what is a skill that you have? 
The second is what is a piece of knowledge you have? And third is what is an asset or resource you have? And today I have a big update for you. I'm eating my own dog food, remember? Uh, and this is something I've tried with my own kids. I took this advice, I worked with my kids, and we started a business on the weekend. We started Scarlet and Mavericks Photography Business. Now my kids, they are nine and six, uh, soon to be seven. So my daughter's nine, my son is uh, six, turning seven. And so they uh, started a photography business using daddy's camera. And so we looked at kind of the season, it's fall, Christmas is approaching, and we thought, what do people need right now? And what assets do we have? So I've got some cameras, and people are about to need Christmas cards. We all get those in the mail, and it's pictures of different people, and their photos from the past year, and highlights and things, and it's been a crazy year. So we decided to start a little photography business that takes the photos of uh, people and their families for their Christmas cards. So here's what we did. The first thing is we took a photo of my kids and we took a picture with my golden retriever puppy. So we took a picture of them and we call it Scarlet Mavericks Photography Business. And we had, you know, take your Christmas uh, photos. And so we described kind of how they would do it. I also included a note that, hey, dad's gonna be supervising. And so the first thing we did is we posted on Nextdoor, which is a website that, um, you know, networks all your neighbors together in towns and villages and things like that. So we have a small uh, town. I live in Incline Village, Nevada. And so uh, next door is kind of filled with different people uh, here. Uh, we could have posted on Facebook, um, but for other reasons um, that I probably won't get into too much, we didn't post on Facebook. We probably should have. Uh, but our Incline Village Facebook is like all these really snarky people. And they just, they're just kind of mean people. So I didn't want to post a picture of my kids and my dog and just maybe take the chance of people getting mean. So I left Facebook out, but normally Facebook is going to be a good spot for locals, uh, but our town is just kind of snarky. So we post on Nextdoor and we post a little deal. And so we put um, that on there. And so we ran an ad on Nextdoor uh, for about six weeks. Then we took that same photo and we printed two copies of that photo with the kind of a flyer format and we cut them in half and I put the kids in my scooter sidecar. It was freezing that day. We drove around and we put flyers on people's front doors and the kids kind of ran around. If you follow me on Instagram, I post all the little stories on that. And so it was kind of a, a wild adventure. And the third thing we did is we just told friends, hey friends, you know, we're gonna do our own Christmas card photos. Uh, my kids, they'll take your photos for it. And so we invited them if, if they want photos from our kids to do it as well. So I walked in this and I honestly like, man, okay, I already went on the podcast. I said, I'm going to do this. I went on social media. I was like, hey, I'm going to try this this weekend. I'm going to put into practice what I preach. And so like, I'm like secretly like, man, are we going to have any customers? You know, is anybody at all going to contact us? And lo and behold, we got five customers. Two of them were friends, people we knew who knew our kids. And like, oh, that's a great idea. Uh, yeah, sign us up. And they scheduled the time. Two of them were from people in our neighborhood, people who got the flyer. And then one was a total stranger from next door. And in total, they made $120. Not bad, huh? Totally awesome. I mean, for you know the alternative to the lemonade stand, which you might get 20, 30, 50 bucks, and maybe you're lucky, someone's generous, $120, not bad. So anyways, let that be an encouragement to you that if my kids can start a little photography business on the weekend, and make 120 bucks, you can do something too. Uh, but let me give you a few things that we learned in the process uh, in starting this little business with my kids. 
The first thing is that friends and family is the way to go. They are the easiest customers to convert. So anytime you have a business or a side hustle or something you want to sell, leveraging friends and family, that is going to be the way to go always. The second thing is we should have posted more examples. And we didn't really have any at the time, right? Now I have five because we've got five customers. But at the time we posted like, hey, we can take your photos, but we don't have any family photos that we've already done. And that's a challenge. It's always going to be a challenge when you're starting something. The potential customers asking, well, who else have you done this for? Let me see that work. So uh, I wish we might have maybe given some free photos to some people just to have the example. So I wish we would have done that because that would have maybe de-risked or given a better proof of quality to potential customers. So the second thing, wish I would have had more examples. The third thing is that uh, I think I probably would have changed maybe the messaging and the approach because for strangers, you notice that I got two friends, two neighbors uh, that were deeper in the neighborhood and then one all out stranger. Uh, I think we were so lacking in the stranger department because thinking about it, like Christmas cards are kind of like a family thing. Like you're going to get dressed up for them. You're going to like it's really important to get them right. And so I think maybe the idea promoting my kids who are nine and six are gonna take your precious family photos. I think possibly that that might've given the strangers a little anxiety of like, I don't, you know, I don't wanna risk my Christmas postcard with kids, you know? So uh, learn that, that just like the quality and what's at stake for the customer was pretty high for using children to do it. So that is what I learned. So. Uh, the kids are already now scheming for the next business, but let this be an encouragement to you that you can do this and know that you will learn a ton just from trying. And even if you try and fail, you will learn a lot by trying and failing. And then you can use that to try again. Now, speaking of trying and failing in the Startup Masterclass Insider Podcast, which is just for my members, my community, I share the nitty gritty of this journey of starting this venture, Startup Masterclass. And you can hear about how I filmed the entire Startup Masterclass video series and then had to start over. Made a huge mistake. Oh man, I share all the details about it, rough. So that is in the Insider Podcast, which all my members get as part of their membership. And if you're not a member of Startup Masterclass, give it a look. It is the easiest and most affordable way to learn entrepreneurship. You can take it one course at a time for about 80 bucks, or you can buy the entire library, which includes bonus content, audio versions of all the courses, tutorials, cheat sheets, and more. And it's just $1.99 a year. And I'm so confident it's gonna help you. You can try it for free 30 days, and if it does not help you, I'll give you your money back. It's seriously the biggest no-brainer in the history of mankind. You can use the promo code PODCAST to get 10% off, but remember, you have 30 days to try it. If it's not your jam, no problem, I'll send you your money back. So. There you go. Well, that's it for this episode. If you found this episode helpful to you, if you learned something, the best way to say thank you to me is by rating this podcast. You may have to leave a review. Just leave a rating. I'd love a five-star review. It would mean the world to me. If you leave a review, even better, would appreciate that. And doing that is not only thank you to me, but helps others discover this podcast and encourages me to do more content like this. It just helps other people. My passion is helping people bring ideas to life and to learn entrepreneurship. So would appreciate that. And if you have a startup or small business question that you want to have answered on this podcast, email me at eric at startupmasterclass.com, eric at startupmasterclass.com. I answer all my emails myself and I'd be happy to answer your question on this podcast. Thanks for listening and be well.